Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Agent Investor podcast. Agent Investor is the only brand that specifically helps agents achieve financial freedom through real estate investing. Real estate agents can make a bunch of money. Sales will make you a living, but investing will make you wealthy. And if you're like me in the beginning stages of my agent career, and you are on what we're calling the real estate roller coaster with your income always going up and down and up and down, investing is the solution to that. To be able to get predictable passive monthly income is the key to financial success. I'm your host, Tom Caffarella. If you've never met me before, I am a real estate agent, a real estate broker, and I host and build the Agent Investor brand. I fixed and flipped over 1,200 homes. I have an over 350-person real estate brokerage that specifically helps agents achieve financial freedom through investing in real estate. I have over 300 rental units. I build apartment buildings. And again, host these agent investor shows. Every week, we bring a great guest, somebody that embodies the spirit of agent investor, and Aram definitely does that. Um, I was speaking to Aram a couple of days ago about kind of what we were going to talk about. And if you're somebody that's a successful agent already, which Aram is, I mean, he's selling 30 to 50 houses every single year, and you're wondering why you should get into investing this show is specifically for you. And in fact, when we were talking before we started the show, one of the key things that Aram said to me is he's focused on going towards the investing side of the business instead of the retail side of the business. So again, if you're an agent that's selling a good amount of houses every single year, you might be wondering why would anybody ever want to do that? And we want to talk specifically today about why he's thinking, I want to go more towards the investing side of the business rather than growing his retail side of the business. And he's got a lot of experience. He's been doing this for over six years, has a bunch of rental units, and is doing it all not even being born in the country, which I have to say, kudos to you. I give you extra points for that because you had to overcome even more than a traditional uh, real estate agent. So, Aram, welcome to the show. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate the intro. And I did not know your resume. My God, <laughs> great work. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we've been doing this for a while. So, I mean, I started, um, I certainly can just tell by looking at you that you're younger than me. And um, we've been building and building and building. And, you know, one thing that we talk about on this show all the time is you're, you're building, you're putting down bricks every single day, building this big house. And um, depending on where you're at in your life, a lot of times when we're building those little brick by brick by brick, when we're in the beginning phases and we look around, we're always going to be discouraged to say, look at how many bricks that other person has down. Look at this mansion that they have. I've only got three or four or five bricks yeah. down, but they accumulate over the course of time. And, you know, I'm, I, I just turned 40 and I, and I can guarantee that by the time I'm 50, it's going to look even better. My right. health probably won't look better, but my, my house is going to look better. 
you've done a lot and and kind of just you know rewind the clock for us because I love mm-hmm. to tell everybody's origin story. Like, why did you ever even get involved in real estate? What made you do real estate to begin with? So I'll give you the short version. Uh, I got into real estate when I was 21 years old. Fortunately for me, it was my first like real career. So I didn't really have to bounce out too many times. Um, I was just the average kid, went to high school, was going to community college, trying to figure my life out. Uh, All I knew was I wanted to own a business. I just thought it would be cool to be a business owner, employ people, you know, be able to, you know, get wealthy that way. Uh, You know, with the final goal to get wealthy. And I just figured being a business owner is the only way. Uh, So my first goal was to become a police officer because they first get a free car. And then second of all, you know, that would allow me to save up enough money to, you know, start my business when I'm like 30 years old. Then I realized that's not for me. I cannot be a police officer. I'm not brave enough. I'm not tall enough, not strong enough. It's just not for me. So I switched to mechanical engineering because engineers make money. This is at like 19 years old. Then realized I'm failing all my classes. I'm not that intelligent. So then (laughs) I switched to business management. And then at like 19, 20, man, I had like a crossroads. I was looking at my end goal. I was like, look, my end goal is to be rich. I don't care what it takes because I immigrant, grew up poor. So it's not like I had money. I'm like, I don't care what it takes. I need to have money. That's it. And that's when I discovered that a lot of people who do have money through YouTube is by investing. So I'm like, okay, the wealthy people invest. So that's where I got to be in five to 10 years. How on earth am I going to get there? And I'm deciding between going to university, because now it's going to be like another two years of my life, or going a completely different direction. And that's when I discovered real estate. And I was like, look, I could go into 45 grand in debt, lose two years of my life to get a business management degree, or... I can go ahead and start this real estate agent career, which is the same thing as starting a business. And I only need $2,000. I don't need to save up for five years to start Mm -hmm. the industry. And uh, my grand plan, learn the game from the inside, help a bunch of people buy and sell, understand the industry. And then once I made my money, I would then use my knowledge to invest, which is ironically exactly what happened. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, you know, the thing about real estate that I love, it's, it's kind of the great equalizer because- you can go and, you know, I'm college educated and a lot of people are, a lot of people aren't. But, you know, when when you go through kind of the typical progression that people go through in life, you get a college degree and you get this amount of experience and all of a sudden it's hard for people to compete with you, right? If you get a four-year degree at Harvard, then a business degree at Harvard, then you're working three years at one of the best firms out there. It's like by the time you've got that resume, it's like at a minimum, you're yeah. worth X, you also have a maximum there too. Like at a maximum, you're also worth X. You're kind of like in this band typically where you're you're going to do well, but maybe not like, you know, uh, so right. well. But um, real estate's not like that. It doesn't matter whether you came out, you, you had no degree or me, I came out, I had a degree, I became a CPA. Mm-hmm. When we start, the day we started, which for me, I was what, 24 and you were younger than me on that same day we were equals and it didn't matter what country you came from, what country I came from, um, what, what degrees you had. You, you talked about maybe not being that smart. I, I have a feeling that's probably not a hundred percent true, but you book probably, <laughs> yeah, you probably just didn't, didn't, weren't book smart. So, um, you know, with all that being said, so you, you started to do that, but like you did that at, at a young age. So one thing I want to hit on is just like mm-hmm. how, did you get the courage or do you even just 
not even feel like you needed it to actually do that because that's going against the grain. And I'm sure right. some people were telling you, hey, you came to America not to just start a business, probably to go to school, right? Yep. So that's actually, uh, people tell me you took a massive risk, but if I go back in time, honestly, I was so cocky and arrogant that I didn't think it was a risk. I was like, it's me. I'm obviously going to be tremendously successful. Year one, I'll make a hundred thousand. Year two, I'll make a quarter million. And then by year five, I'm a millionaire. Mm-hmm. None of that happened. <laughs> but I, like year two, year three, I'm like, I'm in too deep, right? So initially, I just didn't look at it as a risk because I think for me, when you start young, man, you don't have a lot of responsibilities. Like the only real bill I had was, you know, I like to give my mom four to $500 a month just to help her out, right? But mm-hmm. short of that, it was my car payment and insurance. So less than $1,000, I could survive the month. So that means I could be in business. I could Uber for a weekend and I could be in business forever, right? Mm. So I just didn't see it as a risk. And now that I think back, I'm like, whoa, (laughs) now I'm a little bit more uh, risk cautious. Maybe I wouldn't do it today. That's a mindset thing. And I I think when it comes to investing or being a great agent or being a business owner in general, like the mindset is so important because what you just said, you kind of thought about it. Yeah. And you rationalized it and you, 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 it, it just kind of made sense, right? What you just said. But a lot of times we have people in our ears telling us either you can't do this or that's risky or whatever. Yeah. Meanwhile, a lot of times people are taking a lot of risk in their life, but because it's kind of the tried and true path, no one's telling them that it's risky. Like you take on a big mortgage, you take on all these other things. That's probably more risky than what you did. But society would say that what you did is probably more risky. I've never heard it explained like that, but I, now that I'm thinking about it, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's a lot riskier to, you know, go get in the debt, you know, be working for somebody else. You could get fired at any given moment in time, really have a cap on your income. And then you turn 65 and all you have is your 401k, right? If, if, if you contributed, I mean, if a lot of people... A lot of people, because they're taking on big debt, aren't even contributing as much as they should. And so you obviously, you know, you had the you had the confidence at a young age, which not everybody has, but that's awesome that you had it. Um, you had said that you didn't have success right out of the gate. Getting back to the fact that like this real estate is the great equalizer, meaning it doesn't yeah. matter how much confidence you had, your skill set was not there to yeah. go from a hundred to two fifty to a million. So what roadblocks did you kind of like run into in the beginning? And then how did you overcome them? So some of the biggest mistakes, you know, the same ego that allowed me to take that risk was the same ego that kind of held me back in the beginning, right? I was in and something like I was in two different coaching programs and they're all stuck on you never lower your rate. Um, you just go get that 6% listing. And me being a young 21 year old and I looked 17, my hair was garbage. My glasses were crooked. Like I just didn't give the best presentation to be charging a premium rate. Yeah. So I think in the beginning, I wish if I could go back, I would I would charge what I'm worth and then, you know, grow my way to a higher rate. I went the opposite direction. I think I lost a lot of business that way because I did do a lot of upfront work, man. I was calling three, four hours a day, expireds and fizzbos like a madman, right? But I wasn't doing the back end work of the follow up. And then, you know, making sure that I'm the right agent for the job and, you know, doing all the pricing correctly. So if I, could, if I could go back, I would make those small adjustments and put my ego in a box, kick it down the can, um, because that's what really held me back a long time. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because coaching, 
Uh, you were in two coaching programs. I'm always in coaching programs. I yeah. mean, I'm always in coaching programs. And um, it's interesting because I think in the beginning, it's just like someone will tell you, go out, get a coach. At yes. least for me, I didn't really think too much about like who my coach was, why they should be my coach. And sometimes you put too much stock in what somebody says. And I've actually made this mistake myself where you think because they're your coach, they're going to always give you the right advice. When yeah. in, I think in reality, I look at coaches as more like a board of advisors and you listen to them, right? You don't discard them. I mean, they're going to try to help you, but you they don't know everything about your own individual situation. You have to kind of, you know, take the advice, think about it, and then make whatever the best decision for you is. But, you know, you being so young, that's a hard thing to even think yeah. about because you're you're probably thinking this coach knows everything, right? Yeah, I really I really committed to it. Like um I think the mistake I made, I didn't realize this until like year 4. I think year 4, which is where my business took off, right? Is I fell into listening to the coaches thinking their ways work, but I didn't realize their ways work for them. Exactly. And I have to really sit down and be like, what are my strengths? What are, yep. where am I the best at? It is definitely not on the phone, <laughs> you know, and it's definitely not at open houses because I'm bored to death, right? My mm -hmm. best strength is, you know, being on camera, networking, talking to people, just having a good time, right? I rarely yep. even talk about real estate when I'm out, you know, networking, doing my thing. It just, the business comes to me. So as soon as I recognized that, I was like, there was not a single coaching program that can help me do this because it's so specific to me. So that's why when agents ask me now, man, like, hey, what do you recommend? What's the best lead source? I'm like, I don't know. I don't speak in absolutes. Sit down, figure out your strengths, and then go do something that caters to that because it's going to be the easiest you could do, the most consistent. Well, one thing that we do for all of our agents that come in to the company, and this is an imperfect science, but we try to um, match their personality to what lead generation source makes sense for them. Beautiful. It's definitely, the, you cannot make this a perfect science, but mm -hmm. I, I think it, I think depending on what brokerage you're in or who your mentor is, a lot of times they're trying to specifically train on the lead generation source maybe they were good at, or even sometimes the lead generation source that they think people should be doing. And I think um, getting on the phones and making a million calls a day, I feel like that's the one that's the most common to promote. And it's interesting because, I have not seen, you know, I've had over a thousand agents come yeah. and go at my company and I can, I can count on one hand, the amount of agents who that specific form of lead gen worked for and that mm -hmm. they're still doing today. But it's interesting awesome. because, because no matter what, like, I feel like that's the automatic, like, Hey, you know, get on the phone, get on a dialer for three hours a day and you're going to automatically have success. And um, I've also seen a lot of agents that especially younger ones that actually did that and still didn't have success. So that was me. That was me yeah. 100%. Yeah. So it, it's interesting. So you, you said in year four, you know, your business kind of like took off. What would you attribute that to? And then also where did investing start to kind of fit in with everything that you're doing? Perfect. So in year four is where I made the decision because up until year four, I was on off Ubering. I was like, you said like the roller coaster of real estate. I'd have a great month four months of like just down and then another couple of great months. So, and then my fourth year and I was always on and off cold calling, right? Cause I couldn't figure things out. 
And I, the fourth year, I said, you know what? I will go out of business before I pick up that phone and make one more cold call. It's just not going to happen. Yep. Right? So I just committed to, you know what? I'm going to focus on my sphere of influence like they told me to in the beginning that completely <laughs> ignored. Yep. Then I'm going to, you know, lean into my strength, which is creating content, attracting people to me, right? And because I was always into investing because that was my goal. So I was listening to bigger pockets and I wish this, I knew about this podcast. I'd be listening to this podcast. Perfect for me. Uh, so I was always learning about investing. So I started sharing like everything I learned. I read the Burr book and then I start sharing that as content, right? Yeah. And then in year four, when I started doing that, I started attracting a lot of investors, right? I got like a couple of investor clients and then you get one, you make one person money. They invite, they send you everybody they know. Yep. So in year four, when I committed to it, I'll be honest, year four didn't like, it didn't pick up right away. It was year five that it all exploded, right? Because there's a lot of people who saw my content, but were kind of watching me to see, does he still know? Does he get results? Is he going to be consistent, you know, down the line? And then in year five, it was beautiful because in year one, I was working 80 hours a week and I made like after splits, 22,000. Year five, I was maybe working five hours a day and I, I made 140 year five, right? And I worked the same amount of hours and made a lot more in year uh, year six. So I'm sitting here, I'm like, this is so much more scalable. This is my strength and I could do this more consistently. And mm -hmm. that was the key, man. Because cold calling, I do it for three months, hate my life, never do it again until I'm broke, you know, get back in the game. Whereas this, I make content whether I make money or not. It's fun for me, Right. Yeah, so, so we, we have actually a kind of a similar story. And um, I call that education-based selling. Mm -hmm. And so we're actually, for those that are listening right now, if you're not in our Facebook group, make sure you join at www.agentinvestor.com because actually coming up, I'm going to be doing a training session on education-based selling. And I've got a similar story where I'm I am not this outgoing, you know, naturally yeah. social person, but I love getting educated and teaching. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've basically done. And, and it sounds like, you know, you're doing a lot of the same stuff and you don't have, like a lot of people will, will, will worry about like, how do I come up with all this content? Just get educated and post something that you're learning about. Like if you just simply do what you're saying, documenting yeah. what you're learning about, that is value in and of itself. And most people aren't the type to continuously get educated. Like if you're listening to this podcast, yep. you're one of the few people out there, the small percentage of agents that are out there that are dedicated to getting educated. Most aren't, probably 90% aren't really seriously dedicated to, to getting it educated. And what you'll find, you might think, oh, I read this book, The E-Myth or The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. Oh, everybody knows this. And what you'll find is you'll post like the most, common concept from that that you think everybody knows and then all of a sudden they're like oh man that's genius how did you come up with that idea and you're like I actually stole that idea oh it's a book i read literally 10 minutes ago but yeah. it, it's really much not much more complicated now when you started posting that stuff right mm -hmm. um about investing about what you were learning how quickly did you start to get like traction from that i think about within about four months I saw I got my first like investor client and we closed on him in like a month and a half. Um, and then that actually led to a lot more business in year five. So I would say within four months, I was starting to get a, a lot of business from investors because my fourth year was the pandemic year, right? So mm -hmm. I had a lot of downtime. 
and the market kind of like slumped a little bit. So there's a lot of deals to, uh, you know, uh, be taken down. So that's how that went. So how did that actually go? Like, you know, you start posting content about investing or even just anything in general, mm-hmm. educational based content. What are people actually saying to you? Like, are they DMing you? Are they texting you? Are they just commenting? Yeah. Like, how are you actually getting them from like being like, oh, Aram's a smart guy to, hey, I want to actually go out and work with him. So it literally, I'll, I'll get a DM, direct message on Instagram. And I'll say, hey, man, if you have any great deals, send them over. I'm interested. Yep. And then from there, that, that's where like, this is where the cold calling helps me. My uh, The sales side of me comes in and then I set up an in-person, of a, a, look at that perfectly. I set up a buyer consultation. And from there, I, I explain the buying process, the cost behind it, and then the best strategy for them. And it goes through that. It's usually like an innocent DM. They didn't expect it. They're just letting me know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm looking to invest at some point. And then that's where you got to take advantage of that. Like the coaching I was in, I was practicing all my scripts. I knew all my objection handlers. I was role playing pretty much every day for about 30 minutes to an hour along with my presentation. So all that's kind of allowed me to have like a nice follow-up system in place. Like once someone has some interest, I kind of know how to guide the conversation to some type of an appointment. And that's helped me tremendously with, uh, you know, getting just a innocent uh, DM on uh, on Instagram. Hey, man, I got 50K. What do you think is the best thing to invest in? Right. And then that almost always leads to a buyer consultation. And then it becomes a closing uh, a month or two from that point on. Well, I think that's going back to like talking about like the building of the bricks and stuff like that. And there is almost nothing that, you know, I failed at and I failed at a lot of different things in my business that you don't learn from or you don't get something from. And yeah. yeah, well, maybe you may not be cold calling right now, but you learn how to handle objections and scripts and book appointments and things like that. And, you know, yes, we all want to go in a straight direction, but business is typically just not like that. Hey, everyone, this is Tom Caffarella. I want to quickly interrupt the podcast to number one, thank all of my loyal listeners of the Agent Investor podcast and tell you guys really quickly about an exciting event we have coming up. Uh, It's a two-day event. It's called the Passive Income Real Estate Investor Event um, that you can find out more details at PassiveIncomeEvent.com. We're going to be doing a two-day training session teaching all of the agents and all of the investors at the event on how to achieve financial freedom through real estate. If you're like me and your goal is to not work 80, 100 hours a week grinding, selling real estate, flipping homes, um, definitely check out this event. We're going to teach you how to build a passive income portfolio so that you can retire, so that you can work when you want, how you want, and ultimately achieve financial freedom. So again, go to PassiveIncomeEvent.com for more details. And we look forward to seeing you at the upcoming event. You're doing this content. You're getting people to reach out to you. People are knowing you kind of as somebody who's, you know, into investing, investing um, and helping people invest. When did you actually start pulling the trigger and doing it yourself? Uh, It was in year six. And it actually worked out beautifully because I had saved up a lot of money. I think I had like 60 to 80 grand saved up. I was going to do like a small flip. Or, you know, use a hard money loan. But because I was sharing so much content about investing, this investor that I know reached out to me and said, hey, man, I'm sitting on a lot of money. I don't know what to do with it. You seem like a guy that knows what's going on. 
can you invest it for me? That's literally what happened. Mm. And that's how I was able to use that to set up my investing career, like journey. We did a flip. And then uh, the next deal was a seven unit apartment building. And then I went and bought another seven unit myself. And the number one reason if I poll agents and I do all the time, I yeah. say, why, why aren't you investing? Because because realistically, almost every agent knows they should be investing. The 100%. number one reason they say they don't is because of money. What you just said is something that's so much more common than anybody thinks, which is that what we take for granted as agents is the fact that we're in the industry. We mm-hmm. know what we're doing. We know how to make money. And there are people that are out there that make a lot of money, that have a lot of money, that inherited money. Yep. And they don't know how to do everything else. And that the marriage between that is the beautiful thing. So what I always say is, uh, this is what I recently discovered. And with me, I'm learning as I go. And now, you know, I may have been given some bad investing advice back in the day, but as I improve, that's where the content never stops, right? But I, I figured out, man, there's really three things you need. Uh, and maybe you could confirm this. You need time because these deals take time and energy. You need experience to know what you're doing. And then you need money. Mm-hmm. Money is the easiest thing to get because everyone's got it. But very few have the time and the experience, right? Some might have the experience, but not enough time, vice versa. If you have both, that's such a value add. That, like that was just one investor. I have about $800,000 of other investors just waiting to give. I haven't even asked them. They're like, hey, we'd love to invest with you. And that's just because they see, first, the track record's helpful. Uh, and then second of all, they just see that I have the time and experience to do it. And they're sitting there like, you know what? I got a business to run or, you know, I'm working 60 hours in my corporate job. I, I don't have time to go. Like today, I got a text message. The toilet's broken. Do they have time to go handle a toilet issue? I do. No. I'll be handling that ASAP. But Especially people that are in high paying jobs, they don't have time because most high paying jobs require more than that 40 hours a week. And if you're on track to be a partner at a CPA firm or a law firm or you're a doctor yep. or you're a dentist, like right now, if somebody texts you right now and they have an issue with the toilet, you could get off this podcast right now and you could go deal with it if you had to. Yeah. And and that person can't, right? And so so that's you know one of many benefits. But the, the thing I find the most about agents is just that they undervalue all of those things. They undervalue the fact that they know how to comp properties, get a property rented, find a deal, have the time to do this stuff. They totally undervalue that. And a lot of times they underestimate how much they know compared to the average person, right? Because a lot of these people, they may have read their first investing book and they're like, okay, I know I need to do this, but they don't have your six years of experience. They don't even have a one year of experience. Yeah. I think when you're in the industry, you have, you just know a lot. It's like this black hole, like this black curtains removed, right? So you kind of know all the backend stuff. And if you're an agent, you have such an advantage, you know, it's, I always say it's like an agent that doesn't have uh, that doesn't invest or doesn't want to invest. It's like having a fat trainer, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> how can you tell me the value of health and nutrition if you're obese? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's how I feel about it. We have, it's in our industry. You have to own something. You know what I'll say, uh, Tom, my business exploded once I started investing for myself. Right. If I flip this board around, you'll see all my I'm a barbarian. I, I need to get my systems and processes in order. But as my list of active clients, it's like 28 of them. Right. I think 20 of them are investors. And they all came in the last year. You know why? Because they saw me use my own money. Right. Well, do my own deal with my name on it. Right. Yep. And they're like, OK, 
he's he's putting his name on it. I mean, that means we could trust what he says, right? And then whatever I end up in like investing in is the type of clients I attract. First, it was flippers because I want to do a flip. Then I realized that's not for me. And when I, once I started buying these bigger apartment buildings, I'm like, this is great. And this is where, like you said earlier, the content, like running out of content, as long as you're growing, content can never stop, mm. right? Because I'm always learning. Like just last year, I learned that you could raise money. I learned everything, you could, not everything, but a little bit about commercial real estate, how to network with the lenders, what the requirements are. And all this is content, right? Now that I'm a landlord, it's content galore, <laughs> right? right? So one business helps the other business. So why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, to your point, like, I don't actually have an issue with an agent saying, I don't want to invest and I'm never going to invest. Like, if you right. say that my goal is never to invest, I don't want to invest. It's not for me. I just want to sell houses. I can live with that. What What's yeah. challenging for me and then what I'm trying to achieve more than anything else is to the person who says, I know I need to invest. I want to invest to do it. And that actually is the mm. bulk of agents. You rarely say you will. I have heard some agents say to me, hey, look, I'm not interested in investing. I don't want to do it. I, again, I can live with that. But if, if you're going to say like, hey, like I really want to do it, you know, yeah. to get people out and actually doing it. Um, now, you got 28 people on the back of your board there. That's a lot of business. And that's just kind of what you're working on today. I right. want to get to the to the intro and the part of the comment where you're like, I don't want to do a lot of retail over yeah. the long haul. And a lot of people that are listening to this, I'm confident that would love to have 28 people on the back of their board. And maybe they only have five or 10 or yeah. whatever. What would make you say, hey, I've got a very successful operational retail business. I want to focus more on investing. So from day one, I kind of knew my goal, right? I, I want to, I have really big ambitions. I'm, I'm trying to build as big of an empire as I can. And I just looked at the, the wealthiest real estate agent on earth. Like the one you could find is probably a net worth of maybe 40, $50 million. And that's like the best of the best Ryan Sirhan type yep. deal, right? But then like, you see investors worth hundreds of millions of dollars, right? And they live a so much of a better lifestyle. Because, you know, mm -hmm. with these transactions, there's just so much that goes into each and every transaction, right? So I'll give it, this is the best way I can explain it. Last year, I made 200000 And obviously, that requires me talking to a lot of people, dealing with a lot of problems with transactions, negotiating a lot of petty deals, you know, inspection about to fall apart because of this $400 expense, right? So mm -hmm. things like that. Made two hundred grand. Once I sell my building, that's one deal. I will also make two hundred grand, and one is not taxed at all. The other one is taxed. Now, unfortunately, as if you were an investor, so you probably know this, they kind of help each other out. But yep, it's like why wouldn't I just do one deal, make two hundred, versus you know work with thirty to fifty people to make the same amount of money and all my time. When I'm thirty with kids, I don't know if you have children or not, but when I'm 30, 40 with kids, I don't want you know, Carl to call me to go see a showing on Sunday morning and I got to miss a game, you know, because Carl wants to see this house and I need to make that $8,000, right? Yeah, and I, don't I want and that I, for my life. I, I think what you just said is probably the most important point um, for anybody. I, I have four kids. I have a 10-year-old girl. I have a six-year-old son, a five-year-old son, and a two-year-old son. That's beautiful. Now you can imagine, right? Like I've got stuff going on all the time, whether they have a party at school, whether they have a hockey game, whether they have a baseball game, whether my daughter has figure skating, 
never once have I ever had to miss any of those things. Now, when I, when I say that, I want to be clear because there's a difference between being just an agent and missing those things and being an investor and missing one of those things. And I'm going to tell you why. Because when you're an agent and you say, hey, I'm available to do these 20 things in a week that my kids have, you're mm -hmm. not making money. As an investor, yep. you have properties that are paying you regardless of whether or not you're actually there. So people will talk about the freedom and flexibility that the agent life gives you. But in reality, in 90% of cases, if you're going to that school party at 2.15 2 p.m., that yep. means that you're also having to go to the Sunday morning showing. And that's the part where I think people should do sales. I think sales is great. You know, I'm yep. in sales. I have a brokerage with 350 people. But the lifestyle is even more important than the numbers. And it's just the way that things are written up. It's literally like the rules of the business. Like if you were to say, how do you make a million bucks a year as an agent? And you literally write down everything it would take. Okay. Yep. There's, there's that, you know, rules. Then you go, okay, how do I make a million bucks a year as an investor? And you write down that stuff. They would look like a completely different lifestyle and they are. Yes. Yes. Which is kind of why, like you said, I have the 28 names, but right now I'm, I'm not focused on selling a hundred houses. You know, I'm focused on just maintaining what I have so I don't get too busy. So I could start doing that transition to becoming an investor because that would give me so much more control over my uh, my time. I can build a legitimate business. So if I ever die, you know, long time yep. from now, first there's something that's left behind. The business does not die with me, with my brand or my, you know, my knowledge base, right? Or if I ever want to stop working, like you said, it still makes me money. So it's just a little bit in my eyes, more scalable. I can control my time more. And I, I think it's a lot more freedom than being an, being an agent. I've never felt more like a slave in my life than being an agent, right? Because yep. like today, I got to go all over the place. You know, I got an 11, 8 o'clock showing, then I got a four and a five. And in between that, I got to do a whole bunch of other things for other people, right? Um, so I can't imagine selling 100 houses, 150 houses, et cetera, and then building a life that I'm happy with. Yeah. And, and there's ways to just, you know, to start to scale the retail side of the business right. to some extent to get out of it a little bit. But the problem with the retail side, the end game, and what I think is important for everybody to think about is the end game for somebody that's selling a lot of houses a year is usually for your business to just stop. Like at the stopping point, there's no more money to be made. There's there's nothing else. Mm -hmm. It's a hard business to sell. Like really nobody wants to buy like a small team. Maybe you get lucky. Even the multiples are very low. If yeah. you're continuously building your, your rental portfolio, at the end, number one, you probably don't even want to sell it because it's generating cash flow. But exactly. if you dig sell it, it's typically going to be in the millions of dollars like into your pocket over a long period of time. And um, yeah, that's the stuff that, you know, we just preach and preach and preach and preach. And of course, like we're, we're not telling people to quit making money. Like, I, you know, even if I was talking to you, I would not say give up those 28 people. It's a, of it's course. A, it, it's it's a you know every day you're looking to improve your business. Maybe those 28 people in two years from now you only need to take 15 of them, and right. it, maybe you right. have a small a small team where the other 30 or 40 people are are, are you they're working with with uh, your team members or something. But I will say that I, I, exactly on that point, having earned income, especially in the beginning, is so so important because you might be buying deals that you're stabilizing, right? And if something goes wrong. 
it's very helpful to have to be making like 10, 15 grand somewhere else. So you're not relying on that cash flow to survive those first five years of having rentals, right? Because that's when everything goes wrong, <laughs> right? Tenants are coming in and out. You got vacancy, you got remodeling you're doing, et cetera. Uh, so you don't want to be living off the cash flow too soon. And just where being a, still, a, this is why I'm still in production. I probably still will be till I'm 30, right? And it's a very slow exit. And I'll truly probably never exit. I always represent some of my old clients, you know? Yeah, that's why when when we take people in, like we have a coaching program called the Inner Circle that um, we have both free and paid options. But when we bring people in, I, I always say to people, I'm like the most demotivational, you know, coach or speaker you'll ever meet because the first thing I say to people is, "This is a ten year process." And mm. it, uh, that, but that's so true, man. Yep. Yeah, it, it's it is it's a ten it's a ten year process, and and for most people, that's not what they want to hear. Most people want to know, hey, how can I get from point A to point B in one year? Yeah. But you can. It's a 10-year process. So I, I look and I, I have people write out their 10-year goals. And yeah, it's hard to kind of figure out where you want to be in 10 years. Mm -hmm. But I don't know of any way. I'm sure there are outliers who have you know become millionaires and billionaires in under 10 years. I'm sure there are. But right. I just don't know how to do it. I know how to do it in 10 years. I can almost guarantee if somebody follows you know the right systems, the right process over a 10-year period, they're going to at least be a millionaire, if not a multimillionaire. Yep. But if you tell me it has to be done in three years, like I, I don't know how to do it. I just, I don't know. Um, I think the longer you're in business, the higher your chance of success, right? So if you try to do it in three, you're like under the gun. If you don't do it, you don't do it. But if you have 10 years, you could really slow build that the right way. And when I was 21, I didn't think that way because I thought like, I didn't realize that how much time I really had. Now that I'm 27, I'm like, wow. Six years is such a long time. <laughs> I it still is. have so much to go. Oh my God, I have so much time. So I have been thinking in like five-year increments. And mm -hmm. you know, I, I will say this is where I struggle with, man. Maybe you can help me with this. Like the shiny object syndrome, right? Like you, you invest in a bunch of different assets. It looks like you're a builder, you're flipping and you own apartment buildings. Like right now I'm doing the multifamily thing, commercial grade multifamily. I understand it very well. I've been a realtor, so I've been renting for a while as well. And I'm discovering the Section 8 thing, which would be tremendous cash flow with such little money down. Mm -hmm. So I'm always asking myself, yeah, an extra thousand dollars a month wouldn't, wouldn't hurt. But I'm like, does this help me in five years? It really doesn't. But I like I, every day I'm like, do it. Don't do it. Do it. Don't do it. Easy money, not mm -hmm. long money. What, what would you be your advice to me on that? I'm struggling. I truly am. Well, I think the shiny object thing is a pretty simple thing. And if I turned around my camera, um, you would see all my ideas on my wall. And anybody who's an entrepreneur, and most agents are, okay. if you're an entrepreneur, you have a lot of energy, you have a lot of ideas. And we follow, you know, in our coaching model follows the, called the EOS model, which basically says that every quarter, you need to think long and hard about your business and what you're trying to achieve. And you need to write down all the things that you want to try to achieve in the quarter. And that list is usually going to look like 20 or 40 or 50 things, or maybe if you're really ambitious, it's probably, you know, 50 or 60 things. Yeah. And what they teach you to do is pick three to six of them and rank them. And to say, these are the three to six that we need to get done. Like, I'm going to die if I can't achieve this in this quarter. Yeah. Because what we think, and especially like you being a, a young man, 
you think you can do everything and that's like a really good quality. Now that I'm getting older, I think a little bit yeah. less like that. Seriously, what happens is, is that you try to do too many things and then you accomplish none. So that's this, my fear. Well, this, so, so this is what I do now. This is what I've trained myself to do. So I have the three to six things I need to get done that quarter. I review them every single week. Me and my leadership team, we review them every single week. If it's just you, you review them yourself. And then when those are done, in, if you get those done in the quarter, then you can add something. If okay. you get a great idea within that 90-day window, you put it on a sheet, that could potentially be one of your three to six for next quarter. I will tell you this, and I've been posting a lot about chat GPT lately, mm-hmm. about like how that's the ultimate shiny object thing as of today. So tempting. Yep, yep. Everything's tempting, right? Because everything is going to change your life. There is nothing urgent within a 90-day window that that great idea needs to be implemented within that 90 days. It's never going to happen. So I would always take that idea and be like, wow, that sounds like it could be worth pursuing, putting on your list for the next quarter. And a lot of times what you'll find is it's not even a great idea to begin with. But Mm. had you kind of tackled it during that 90-day window, it would have actually distracted you from hitting your top three to six things. So I really like that. Okay. Yeah. And all of this stuff like like that is an example. It is in our, our coaching program for those people who are interested in learning more. Like I said, there's both free and paid options. You can actually sign up for a free one-on-one consulting session with me by going to www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. Again, that's www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. We'll talk, you know, kind of like we're talking on this podcast now about goals and strategies and stuff like that. But I do want to say that what we just talked about is not something I came up with and nothing I've ever done is anything that I came up with. And it nothing that you guys ever do who are listening to this should be anything that you need to come up with. These are all best business best practices, you know, agent investor best practices, things yeah. that you don't want to recreate the wheel. And you do want to have a board of advisors to say, hey, like, is this a good idea? And, you know, to listen, like you talked about, Aram, in the beginning with your coaching, listen, Mm -hmm. but you don't always do what your coach says. Just take it as like, okay, a a strong recommendation and then analyze it with, okay, what can I do with it? So with that being said, you know, to wrap, I just have one more question for you. Mm -hmm. Because I did mention a few times, you know, our mission on the show is to help agents to invest, to achieve financial freedom. And I know you're a quick starter based on everything that you've done, but yep. what would you say to a friend, a family member, an agent who has been talking about investing for a while? They know they yeah. should invest, but they haven't taken action yet. I first ask them why you want to invest. Like, where are you trying to be in five years? Because oftentimes I'll ask them, do, what I'm trying to figure out is, do you have a 50,000 you're trying to turn into like a million dollars? Because that's a different strategy. Or have you saved up a little bit and you just don't want to be sitting in your bank account? Once I figured that out, and most people just want some cash flow, just a little bit of cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. I always say the cheapest house you're going to buy, man, it's going to be your primary residence. It's like 3 or 5% down with the lower rate, right? You may sacrifice a little bit of cash flow, but you're going to hold it long term. It's the easiest thing to buy. It's the easiest loan to get. Uh, it's the cheapest loan to get. And you pretty much qualify for so many things, right? That's the mm-hmm. first thing I would say get started because learning the process and understanding how easy it is is one of the biggest barriers. And maybe you, Lotessa, is that first deal is the hardest for anybody, me included, right? 
Yeah. And I think a lot what helped me was buying my own place. I bought a condo in 2021. And I was a little nervous. That was more nervous buying that than anything else, right? That was my first ever purchase. And I'm like, how am I going to pay this mortgage payment every month? I'm responsible for this. And then you get it and you find out, oh, it's just another bill. <laughs> That's it. It's just like, I yeah. just got a nice car and I'm like, how am I going to pay this? I'm like, oh, it's just another bill, right? Yep. So I would say start with buy buying your own place. And you know what? If you're in a place that is too expensive, which happens, I get a lot of investors from California. You can't buy your own place. With, you can't do anything, right? Yep. But if you're like twenty five to 50000 Go to the Midwest, find an agent that knows what they're doing. And there's a bunch of agent investors probably in the Midwest that watch the show. Because uh, our average price, like I could get somebody a condo for $100,000. There you go. And it's not in a bad neighborhood. It's a B-class area. And you'll be just fine. You could start that journey that way. You just got to yeah. start, man. That's you just As soon as you start, you realize how easy it is. It just boom, rolls through. You know, that, that, that's so true. And I see that all the time that, that once somebody does their first, second or third deal, it's yep. like now they're like, they're an investor. They're ready to do it. And, you know, same thing with you. You know, you're a successful agent. And the more you invest, the more you want to invest. But you definitely have to get started. Um, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, people finding agents in the Midwest. If yeah. somebody did want to reach out to you or if, even if they just want to, you know, connect with you in any way, what's the best way for them to connect with you? The best way to just de- send me a direct message on Instagram. I reply to every message I get. So it's RMG Realty. Send me a DM, say, hey, I watched Agent Investor Podcast. Ask me anything you want. I'm happy to help. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, I want to thank you for for jumping on today. Um, You know, great success story. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, where you're at in five or 10 years. I'll be a real old man by then, but you'll still be young. So it'll be fun to kind of watch you. Um, Okay, I'll be older then. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, all right, guys. And uh, again, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Agent Investor Podcast. The number one thing that you can do to make sure that you're getting educated for free is to join our Facebook group by going to www.agentinvestor.com. We have over 10,000 members of our group as of today, and we're growing by a couple hundred every single week. So if you want to get free education, we do weekly training in that we also have connections between different people in different markets, and it's just a, a wealth of resource. And like I said, it's completely free. So make sure you go to www.agentinvestor.com, and we'll be back again next week with another episode. Thanks again for listening to the Agent Investor Podcast, and especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show and leave a review, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get free weekly education strategies and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group at agentinvestor.com. Again, that's agentinvestor.com.